Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The following is rated MA. Some people may find it offensive. It contains language, adult themes and immature content, as well as fart jokes. There will be lots of fart jokes. Listener discretion is advised. You've been warned. The hottest potty of the week. The superstars of the game have arrived again to have a chat with me, but for you, all the fellas you hear on Unfiltered, great blokes, doing a favour for me, and for that I thank them. If you haven't heard someone, chances are they're an arsehole and brushed. Maybe either that or I haven't interviewed them yet, but will. Enough rambling, I'll sound like my mother-in-law if this continues. Let's rip into it, legends. Eight guests, we give you interviews, not opinions. This is one of the great debut stories because our guest actually had no idea he'd be playing first grade that weekend. Let's go back to round 12, 2016. Remy Smith played New South Wales Cup for the Bulldogs on Saturday. Then Sunday, Josh Morris got called into the State of Origin squad, so the Dogs needed an outside back for first grade. The problem was they were playing Canberra in Canberra. Remy Smith joins us. When did you get the phone call that it was on? Yeah, far out. Uh, man, that morning, uh, I was just, like, like I said, after I played in South Wales Cup the day before, so may had a, like, I stayed up a bit late and yeah. had uh, actually ate pizza and had cupcakes <laughs> for dessert, so I was like, far out. Yeah, so I was, I like, think, feeling a bit like sugar high getting up in the morning and then got this call and it was, it was actually from Kelly Egan which at the time was assistant coach and yep. I'm thinking oh, this is weird uh, yeah hello and I answered hello Kelly he said hey remember how you gone I'm like yeah, yeah good what's happening like it's a bit weird on a Sunday calling me I was like what's going on and he ringed me and said uh, mate um, Jay Moore's been caught into the origin side uh, needs you to come down here today I was like oh like the 18th man or something and he's like uh, no, to play. And I was thinking, and I sort of woke me up a bit. I was like, huh? Yeah. What, yeah. to play? Like, it's like, yeah, yeah, to play. I put Des on. And he quickly put Des on. And um, Des, was, Des was like, hey, how you going? I was like, yeah, good. He's like, uh, need you to come down here today. And I was thinking, uh, like, I was in shock. I was in shock. I was thinking, nah, surely. He was like, yeah. Because um, at the time, Chase Denley was sort of the standby person in he yeah. played the day before as well, but he he got injured or something like that happened, and then he hurt his ankle or something like that. And um, he said, "Yeah, Chase can't Chase can't feel in. I, I need I need you, so I'm going to organise a ride for you to get down here to Canberra today." And I was thinking, I was like, "All right, all right, I'll see you soon." And then hung up. I got up. I just sat there for a bit. I was like, "Nah, surely." And then I sort of sunk in a bit, and then Kel rang me back and said, "Mate, make sure you, you just." Help me out. I said, get your boots, yep. get your mouth guard, make sure you've got that. That's all you need. Everything else is down here for you. I said, get down here as soon as possible. 
So this is about 8.30 in the morning. So I got, I get, I'm getting up, got up, shot up, out of bed. I was, uh, went, I ran into my, my, I was staying with my old man at the time and yeah. ran up and said, locked on, locked on his door, said, hey, I'm far out to go to Canberra today. He was like, what for? I was like, I'm playing first grade. He was like, nah, get out of here. And I said, yeah, man, I've got to go soon. So I went back downstairs, fire, I had a cold shower just to wake me up, packed my bag, and I drove out to, um, there was a, a media media person that was going down that day. Yeah. So I drove out to his house, jumped in the car with him, and basically I just sat in the car all the way to camera, just like, I was in shock. Like seriously, wow. I was just sitting there. I was trying to listen to music, but I was just like, nah, brush the music. I was just sitting there for like two and a half hours, whatever it was. Yeah. Fire out, and then I got there, got to the um, hotel, walked inside, or seen all the boys, and then Des sat me down and said, "Mate, like, obviously not going to know much. I want to give a bit of video for you now." So we did a bit of video just on on camera. Yep. And I, to be honest, I didn't take any. Of it. I wasn't taking any of it in. <laughs> I was just still in shock. I was going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." Nah, I had something to eat, and I was like, "Fire out! This is really going to happen." Got ready, got to the stadium. And like I'm still in shock, so I'm just getting there. Like I'm sitting in the lockers, like what do I do? Like, and uh, then um, yeah, then the fire went down. The reverse camera, and at the time it was uh, uh, Joey Lalo and Rapana were they were peaking, you know. Yeah. Were, that's when they were killing it, man. And I was I was on that left I was on the left wing. Curtis Rain was the left center. So I was thinking, fire out. Out of all the debuts, I got a debut against the best winger in the comp and the best center in the comp. Yeah. So I was thinking, oh man, it's going to be a nice little day for me. Got out there, man, as most people have seen, first touch, try, scored. My, I nearly, nearly knocked it on. Yeah. First touch shocked me, bang, nearly knocked it on, scored. And I, then it sort of hit me, fire out. Here it is. I mean, first of all, I've got I to gotta be on. Yeah, then the game went on. A little bit about fifteen minutes later, we had a specific play through the week that we they practiced, and I was on the Reggie side, so the reserve grade side, watching them practice this one play. I was thinking, yeah, that, no, that should work against Rapane. He's always jamming, and, and yeah. they're not attached, you know. So I was watching it through the week, like, oh yeah, that probably work. And then uh, <laughs> it's amazing. I was on that wing, so I was on the left wing. We had the setup play. Put myself in the right position and Moses Mbai just hit me like through that hectic ball, hit me on the chest in for my second try. Number two. Number two on debut. I was thinking, no way. Um, yeah, and that was, and we actually went pretty good. Was we up like 20 something to 10 half time or something like that. And then, and then they ended up coming back and just yeah. beating us. But that was, that was my, uh, far, that was my debut game. And, it was, yeah, and even after, I couldn't sleep, man. I was just buzzing, you know. I got back, I was on the bus with the boys, and, like, uh, we lost. But, I mean, I was, like, I was so happy, man. Yeah. Like, to have a debut like that, and, and the, the special way it happened, it was just fire out. It was incredible, man. And, and then, yeah, the next day I woke up, I was like, fire out, it happened. Yeah. So, that, that's a bit of insight. Great memories, great insight, and great story. You've clicked over 50 first-grade appearances since. Many more to come. Thanks for dropping in, Remy. Chat soon. Cheers, mate. Thank you for having me.
The Roosters-Rabbitohs rivalry is a beauty. It began before we were all born and history has intensified it. Nothing, nothing reignites the rivalry like a club switch. In 2003, our guest was a rabbit, played five games, then requested an immediate release. Chris Walker, you realised firsthand just how crazed this rivalry was. Yeah, Andy, I did. I didn't. I didn't even know about the rivalry. To be, to be brutally honest with you, wow. mate, I'm from Toowoomba, from from you know Queensland. Yeah, you know, I didn't really know the rivalry. I didn't know how harsh it was. So I didn't even know the rivalry when I left Roosters, left South to go to the Roosters. Um, but <laughs> I certainly quickly knew um, when I made the decision to to leave South. Yeah. Um, I, actually, I was. I was getting death threats when I was playing for for South. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where they were from or who they were, but I was getting death threats. So, uh, um, and that continued. It sort of intensified when I left South and signed with the Roosters and and the cross city or the you know the next suburb over and went to Bondi. It was um, yeah, it was pretty brutal, mate. Um, to be to be quite honest with you, there was, you know, there was one one day there where I. I got told that I was going to get my head cut off in a letter that was sent to me. And, oh. you know, when you, that was before that was before the game. And then, you know, someone was there to shoot me. That's another guy was said, oh, mate, when you're running down the sideline, you're going to get shot. So, ah. mate, having that, it was, it was high pressure enough to play football. I mean, I was that nervous. Uh, you know, you're nervous before a game. But, yeah. you know, to actually hear that, you go, righto, there could be someone at the ground. I could run out. I could get a bullet to the leg or a bullet to the head. Um, or someone could stab me on my way to the car after the game. We had coppers take me in and out of the out of the, uh, out of the field. So, um, but I remember I remember ringing my parents and dad said, you know, no one's gonna no one's gonna send a letter to you, telling you telling you that they're gonna kill him and then go kill him. It's the ones that don't send the letter. They're the ones you gotta watch. Geez, that's crossing the line, isn't it? I mean, that's just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it is. I mean, it was brutal. I, you know, I was only I was only twenty two. I didn't really know. I didn't have the tools. In my kit bag to, to deal with it emotionally, so you know, I, I actually rang Wayne. Wayne said the same thing uh, to me as what Dad did. So, yeah, there was there was some pretty intense moments, but yeah, we got through them. I'm still here, <laughs> thankfully. I remember speaking to you <laughs> shortly after you arrived at the Chooks, and you said you just felt right. Looking back, was it the right move? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I mean, it was probably the wrong move to move to Sydney in the first place. I was dating a girl down in Sydney, um, living in Brisbane. So that took a lot of my time, took a lot of my cash as well. Um, and I, I made the decision to leave Broncos, which I shouldn't have. Like that's If I've got a regret, that's probably my only only regret is leaving, is thinking with the wrong head and moving to Sydney. The Chooks made the GF that year, didn't they, but lost to Penrith? Yeah, we lost to Penrith. And then the next year we lost to Bulldogs. But Andy, thanks very much for bringing it up. <laughs> Almost choked on my fucking water. <laughs> I see that. Leadership within a rugby league side just so important. Nathan Brown, Warriors coach, joins us. Torhu Harris, how important is he to this outfit off the field? Um, well, what he is is he's a very good experienced player and he's one of the better players in his position in the game and um, Tohu's not really a, a he's not a loud talker but what he is is at training he gets uh, he grabs people and just quietly goes about tipping them up what they may need to do to get better and obviously on the field he's a very very consistent performer so 
it's pointless being good off the field if you're not good on the field. Where Tohu's very, very good on the field and off the field, he offers some good guidance to people, especially in a quieter manner. We see genuine leaders, but only a couple at every club, every generation. Is he the type of guy that's a genuine leader and a complete professional? Oh, well, look, he's he's had a very good career, and you don't achieve what he's achieved without doing it. And you know, leadership's you know, it's really is a trained skill. I believe it's you know, most people need some education in that area. And you know, Toe obviously played under some of the you know, under Craig Bellamy and. Cameron Smith and you know, Cooper and Billy were there. They were all really good leaders, you know. So we actually need to really grow our leadership here as a club, you know. So you know, we need people to really work with Roger and Tohu and because you know, to have a really good team, you need a core, a core group of players who can, who can help, I suppose, echo what Roger's thoughts are, the coach's thoughts, and really support each other. Where, you know, I feel a little bit where, you know, with, where we're at it. Yeah, at the minute we're probably a little bit shy there, but we've got some real good potential with some players to really grow in that area. You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Want to be part of the team? We have both corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. Check out the website at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au or send an email to Terry, that's with an I, at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. It's time to rewind or reflect. Let's go back to the Legends series, episode 79 and 80. South Sydney halfback, the legendary Craig Tugger Coleman. You know, I, I owe South Sydney so much. You know, they, they, you know, I come from the House Commission in, in Redfern and you know, I've got a nice house in, in, in Mascot here, yep. which I wouldn't have if it wasn't for South Sydney. And you now, like, South Sydney gave me a chance. You know, f- football gave me a chance. You know, like, well, a lot of kids I grew up with didn't get so lucky. From the Gold Coast to Campbelltown and the Magpies, Tommy Radonikus's coach, you said he was your idol. What's your, what's your favourite memory of Tom, Tommy or your favourite Tommy story? Oh, I, I, I played against Tommy yeah. you know, when I was 18, um, Hanson Park, and it's a classic story because Johnny Peake was our captain yeah. and, um, and Tommy was theirs. And you know, I'm nervous, I'm playing against my old time. I used to walk into the schoolyard. Remember Tommy used to have his limp wrist? Yeah. I used to walk into the schoolyard thinking I was Tommy and um, – <laughs> And, you know, I'd, I'd get up at three in the morning to watch Tommy bash, not just halfbacks in, when they're playing the Poms, anyone, yeah. anyone come in Tommy's way. Yeah. And I remember Hanson Park and Peaky goes out to toss the coin and um, he comes back and he goes, where's Tugger, where's Tugger? I said, well, what's, what's wrong, Peaky? He said, oh, mate, just be a bit careful. He said, Tommy ain't real happy. I said, well, what do you mean he's not real happy? I said, well, what's he look like? He said, well, I'll tell you, he looks like he's got a big beard on, he's got Vaseline all over his face. And he said, I tossed the coin. Tommy said to me, I don't give a fuck which way we run, we're kicking off to you and slam the door in the referee's face. <laughs> and the referee didn't think about it. So he just said, and I'll never forget this story. We were, we were a better team then and we had them beat. And they scored in the last couple of minutes. A kid called, I'll never forget it, a kid called Muhammad El Safti. And he scores in the corner. Tommy runs over, picks him up. He says, I told you, Muhammad, I told you you could do it. And, and it was just uh, seeing how Tommy had this talent to make average players better, yeah. you know, and he was one of as only a few I've ever seen who have that had that talent that could make ordinary players better. The Legends series, I love it. I hope you do too. At any time, you can go back and listen to a Legends series interview. Actually, any of our podcasts. 
All are timeless, so it doesn't matter when you listen to them. Even though you may not have heard them when they first came out, they're timeless, they're ready for you for when you're ready. Junior Paulo with a breakout year for the Parramatta Reels and New South Wales Blues. Now, props historically don't find their best until later in their career. When Junior was 23 and leaving to go to Canberra, I was told this guy would be something very, very special. The guy that told me joins me. Timmy Manor, you saw early what most are seeing in Junior now. Yeah, mate, I, I can't take the credit. To be honest, it was, pretty, um, it was pretty obvious for everyone at the time, and I thought Ricky Stewart was the one that noticed it the most. He was at Parra 2013, yep. um, and he had a bird's eye view of Junior and the kind of player he's going to be. Um, so... You know, to see him the strides is that now is, is no surprise. We, you know, the, the whole club, especially the leadership group, we knew how good of a player Junior was yeah. and how good it was going to be. And um, I'm, you know, I'm pumped to see him flourishing now and, and doing it at the origin level. It, um, it's, it's great to see. He always had the size and the power. At a young age, did he have that finesse, that ball playing, even back then? Yeah, I think that was something that stood out about him was his silkiness of the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, the size is one thing, but he always had a an ability to have hands like a five eight or, or a number seven so yeah. uh he he enjoys it he likes telling people how how much of a halfback he is but um <laughs> mate he's, he's, he's changing the game i think a lot of the front rollers need to have that still now you know i think yeah. back in the day you could potentially get away with being a front roll that can just bash and barge and, and get through but now he's changing the game to the point where you know recruitment and recruiters are looking for front rollers that can do it all and he definitely fits that bill I'll put you on the spot. What age would you say a prop is playing his best footy? Oh, that's a good question. I think, traditionally, I would have said, you know, later, you know, 26, 27, 28. Yeah. The way the game is changing, I think the next few years you could find front rollers are playing their best footy at 20, you know, 24. Yeah. Because you know, the way the game, the speed of the game now, it's um, definitely a young man's game and it's, it's getting much faster. The six again rule is meaning you need to, not only do you have to play B, you have to be faster, but have a good engine yep. to keep up with the game. So, uh, the game's changed. It's definitely a young man's game, and it'll be interesting to see you know, how many front rollers kind of get over that 31, 32 years of age down the track. I know Gal got away with it for a while, but uh, yeah, the, the game's definitely taken its turn for uh, a much higher speed. Junior's 27, still very much improving, and I guess with Regan Campbell Gillard, he'll be asked to lead the Eels in the middle for a few seasons yet. Make sure you've also hooked on to Clarkie's RL column on socials too. By now you've figured out I've got a nose full of snot, so bear with me. Clarkie's RL column, Facey and Insta as well. Search them, hit like and join in the fun with over 150,000 other league tragics. If you've got something of a personal nature in common with me, you've got massive issues. That's the bad news. The good news is... You're probably a decent person and you probably love animals. Our guest certainly does. Like me, he's got two beautiful Labradors and is such a dog person, he's also got them their own Instagram page. Marty Tapau, did you make the mistake when we did, when the dogs were babies, of inviting them up onto the bed just for one cuddle because they're so cute? Oh, gosh. it's the I, I regret that. Yep. Because they pretty much own the bed. And I kid you not, we honestly have to vacuum the house and wash the sheets every second or third day because these kids, our fur babies, believe that they live here rent-free. They they chew through everything like it's a toy for them. 
whether it's a beautiful pair of heels or a nice uh, pair of pants, sure, they believe it's a dog toy, so they just help themselves. And then, But you can't get angry at them, right? You open the door and they just come and smother you with kisses. So how can you how can you get angry? Oh, I love it. We do work with Labrador Rescue. One of ours is a rescue, is the most loving, gorgeous, calm, relaxed dog ever. However, the one we raised is a fucking lunatic, but a twelve year old lunatic, so she gets away with it. Uh, I love keeping up on your two monsters and their journeys on Instagram. Good luck on the weekend, buddy. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Question, what's the greatest sound in the world? But what's better than cracking a coldie? Cracking half a dozen. This is Six Pack of Superstars revealing our top six. Joining us, literally, he's half Cardinal and half Myrtle. Johnny Sutton, who had 336 games for South Sydney and is the most capped Rabbitoh of all time. Mate, that in itself is an awesome achievement to have your name on top of that on a board, isn't it? Yeah, it's awesome. I still can't believe I've played the most games for this club. Um, you know, if you look at the history and the players that have come through here, um, to be to play the most games is just um, it's enormous for myself. And um, you know, I'm very proud of um, what I've done at the club for 16 years. Okay, Sato, tough work now. This is your six. If you were the sole judge, who is... South Sydney, and why? Okay. Um, yeah, I've got a, around eight players, but um, it was very hard to just pick a six, eight players. Um, obviously, there's a lot of loyal players and um, yeah. officials out there. But I've gone with um, – so I'll just start with George Piggins, obviously um, player at the club, coach of the club, and he's just a fighter. I've always looked at George as a fighter. Yep. Um, obviously, what he did for the club – to get us back in, and um, that's something that that's a trait of you know try to use of George's, you know, just always fighting. Nice, we're right. So um, yeah, he's definitely definitely um, one person that's CRC me through and through. Um, I got uh, here. I'm going to go start with the older players, and I'll go through the, to the younger players or the younger people. Um, I got Bobby McCarthy, um, someone I've always looked up to. I went past in most games. Um, you know, he scored a hundred tries for South, which is which is amazing. So he yeah. played two hundred and eleven games. Um, yeah, Bobby's one of those blokes. He, you know, he's always comes down to training, and he's very good to have a yard to and just talk about life and um, footy itself. So I really enjoy my time when Bobby comes down and we get the chat. So cool. definitely, yeah, Bobby's up there too. <laughs> um, my third, I've got Mario Fennick. Mario Phoenix is probably one of the most passionate um, Rabbitohs out there. He's um comes down to training, he's very good, has a joke with the boys and um you know, he's just a happy man. Yeah. So um, good to see him when he gets down there. He's you know, he captain the club, he's and he's always been a tough and, and he's always competed really hard. That's something that I've admired from Mario watching his games. Then I've got Mark Ellison, our team manager. Um he played he played for South, obviously. Um, he coached me when I was in SG Ball. So wow. that's going back nearly, yeah, and that's going back nearly oh, 20 years, nearly 18 years, something like that. Um, and now he's a team manager. So I've, I've had a lot to do with LA over the years, and um, he's very passionate about the club. And, and um, he always 
gets up and does the speaks uh, the the uh, the what is it the um presentations. He gets up and says some words about the who's getting presented the stuff and yep. I find it really good from um, how he presents that. I really get him, like really get pumped up when nice. he brings it on. Um, yeah, so I've, I reckon Elo, he's, he's you know red and green through and through. I reckon that's now a I'm, great call with Elo because mate, he is he's a South tragic. Yes, and you know now I'm running the blue shirt and he's a team manager, so I get to spend a lot of time you know working with Elo on the sidelines and um, you know drinking a couple of beers him after the games. <laughs> yeah. And, um, okay, I got I got three um, three players that I used to, you know, my former teammates that I really think um, I see as Sydney. I'll start with um, uh, Jason Clark. Uh, obviously, he played over 170 games this house. Um, he's probably the most loyal, loyal, nicest bloke you can ever meet. Yep. Um, he was always committed. Like he was always committed to. Whether it was football, or whatever, he always committed. Always put his best foot forward, and um, yeah, he was just a great teammate to have around. Um, <laughs> I remember a couple of times when I remember with Jace, he, uh, he, um, all my clothes were a bit messy. I came back in, and <laughs> my clothes were folded, and I was like, <laughs> "What's doing?" Goes, "Oh no, nah, I just had to tie it up for you." And that I was like, "All right." So he's a very good roomie to have folded uh-huh. clothes and everything. <laughs> yeah, and um. So and then I had um, Nathan Merritt. Yes. Um, I don't. I don't think people give Nathan the recognition he deserves. Um, he scored over 150 tries. That's unbelievable yeah. in NRL. I think he he scored 22 tries in 24 games for um, for us in 2006 when we came dead last. So <clears throat> that's another achievement. It's mm. unbelievable, you know. Um, he lives. He grew up in Redfern. I've, I've I've actually watched him. He was a year older than me, so I actually watched him a lot okay. growing up. And he was just as freaky as he was as he was in first grade. You know what I mean? He just had the um, he had that knack to be where the ball was and show up in time and and obviously scoring tries. So yeah, Nathan Murray, I reckon he's um he was probably one of one of my favourite teammates to play with, definitely. Mate, that is an awesome six-pack of superstars, some South yeah. Sydney beauties amongst it. Yeah, I had one more too. I had one more as well. I just could I throw him in? Yeah, go. Yeah, so I had Adam Reynolds as well. Um, obviously, he grew up in, you know, Redfin, Waterloo area. Um, came through the grade just like me, so I see a lot of similarities. Obviously, he can kick goals a lot better than me. <laughs> but growing, coming, through the, coming through the grades, I see a lot of similarities like... Um, you know, the, our, the way we came through and, and stuff. And to see him captain now, um, he's got over 1,600 points or something. I played 200 games. Yeah, he's he's seen me through and through, and I would like to see him hopefully lift the trophy one day. Got to ask, are you subscribed to the podcast yet? Make sure you are. Make sure you're running the automatic download thing as well. Then the next episode drops automatically and immediately. You won't miss a thing. There's a saying that's been around longer than the game itself. You don't have to be a captain to be a leader. Well, this guy is both Wade Graham. To you, what's a leader in rugby league club? Um... I suppose from a team point of view, someone you can rely on. Yep. Uh, someone you can have an honest conversation with and not have to worry about um, where the conversation goes. 
it's someone that'll that'll turn up for you when you, when you need them. Really, there's a difference between leader and captain, isn't there? I think there is. I think um, you know, there's a lot of you know to be a captain, you have a, you need to have a lot of leading qualities. Yep. Um, but to have a successful team, club, organisation, you need to have a lot of quality leaders amongst the group. It's just, um, I suppose, for me as a leader, I you know I rely on my other senior guys yep. in the team and the coaching staff as much as as anything throughout the week. I'm just there to pretty much communicate my opinions here, their, their opinions, and then sort of mould them all in the one direction mm-hmm. and help guide that direction. Um, but yeah, any any team that I've been in, in that has been successful has had like multiple leaders. Yeah, there's a captain who sort of stands out in front, you know, leads the team onto the park and he's the face of a lot of things off the field, takes all of that pressure and um, all the distractions, sort of stands in front of that and then the team sits behind. You've developed a leadership position at the Sharks. Is it a natural position for you or something you've had to actually work pretty hard on? Um, I think it's sort of naturally always come to me. In the juniors, yeah. I was always you know, a captain or, or a leader, even though I was playing in, you know, teams that were, you know, teams that I was young for. Yep. I'd always sort of take towards those positions. Mainly as a junior, I think, just because I was, you know, I was probably a good communicator. Yep. Not, not necessarily a good, not a good communicator, but I was never afraid to ask a question. If I didn't understand something, I was never afraid to um, just ask or voice yep. an opinion. I, I'm never afraid to challenge ideas either. Like if I don't... Um, if, I, if we're doing something and, I, and I, I think there's a better way to do it or what, I want to know why we're doing it this way, I'll ask. Yep. Not in a way where I want to argue, but just because I want to know. Um, so I suppose those sort of traits always sort of put me to the forefront. Yep. And then as I've come into grade, I've you know been around a lot of guys, a lot of great leaders, you know, from the very start of my career, Petro Simasiva, um, Lukey Lewis, uh, then come down to Cronulla, had, you know, Gowser there. Yep. Guys like Mickey Ennis come across who and all this experience and guys I just could watch and le- and, and learn with. And, um, and yeah, it's just natural to develop that way. Great insight, Wado. Thanks for dropping in, mate. Chat soon. Want to win an unfiltered trucker's hat? Go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast. Then simply give us a five-star rating and review. Write whatever you want. We don't care. It's the stars that matter. Funniest weekly review wins the prize. Simple. That's how easy it is to win. There's a winner each week. This week's winner, Troy Warner from the Paracave podcast, who said he loved the podcast and also told us how much he enjoys bacon and eggs on a Sunday morning. His review stood out. That's why he wins the cap. Stand out, and next week it may be you. Possible topics for consideration. The size of your shoe... The most bizarre dream you've ever had or your favourite tyre tread. It really doesn't matter what you write as long as you do and give it the five-star treatment while you're there. It really helps us. We'd really appreciate it. Another week has flown past. We hope you're having a good one. To make the next week even better, here's a couple of suggestions for you. Palmy up at least one throughout the week with all the toppings. Beers are better, extremely cold and with one in each hand. And also be sure to watch for the Wizard of the West. Willie Pike and load up on the last. Can't be beaten. Catch you next week, legends. Listener.